You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 AM and 930 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you conversation about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Good morning. I'm Jim Dish with the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office, joining you on Relevant Radio 950 and 930 AM. Every Saturday morning, we bring you highlights of our Catholic Chicago radio programs that air throughout the week. Our broadcast week began with Catholic Schools Today, hosted by School Superintendent Dr. Jim Rigg and Holy Name Cathedral Rector Father Greg Sackowitz. They had much to talk about, and they had a couple of great guests from St. Patrick High School in Chicago. We're in the heart of the high school recruitment season, so that will continue for the next few weeks until the placement test in early December. And if, if you don't mind, I would like to share just a little bit of uh, statistics about our, sure. our 32 Catholic high schools. Uh, did you know that last year's class, the class of 2019, uh, in the Archdiocese earned over $200 million in scholarships to uh, colleges and universities? It's a huge amount of money. I often say to families, you know, there is a tuition rate, of course, with Catholic high schools. But in many ways, you're paying it forward because you're going to get that money off and then some most likely in, in scholarships down the road uh, as, Catholic, as uh, colleges so and universities are So our high school graduates more. from the Catholic high schools, $200 million More than $200 million in scholarships. Yes. To various co- uh, colleges, universities across the country. Uh, another good stat, um, high school graduates, Catholic high school graduates are over seven times more likely, according to surveys, to discern a uh, vocation to the priesthood and over three times more likely to discern a vocation to uh, a vowed religious life. Well, there's no question the fact that I came out of Mary C. the Wisdom in Park Ridge, Notre Dame College Prep 71, that played a big factor in my vocation, you know, besides my mother and father, especially my mother. But when I would see the sisters at Mary Seat of Wisdom, and I, I really, Sisters of Mercy, they were terrific. I go to Notre Dame and Niles, the Holy Cross priests and a few brothers. They were fantastic. Yep. That really planted a seed. So when you say that seven times more, there's no question in my life it was a direct factor. Well, I know I, uh, most of the priests I talk to in the archdiocese are graduates of our Catholic schools. So oh, yeah. That says something for sure. Oh, she had a Catholic grammar school. Many of them went to Quigley in their day, yep. but then various Catholic high schools. We're going to cut our little segment short before Absolutely. we go to break. But I want you to read the segment here, introducing these two wonderful gentlemen in our presence here. Happy to. Uh, you want me to do that now? We got it right now. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, we've been talking about the value of a Catholic high school, and we're so fortunate to have in studio this morning uh, two gentlemen representing one of our outstanding Catholic high schools, that is St. Patrick High School in Chicago, which this year is celebrating 159 years. So in 19, or sorry, 1861, I think that's about the time you were in high school, right? Uh, the, the Christian... that's, that's the time of the Civil War. <laughs> right, you remember it clearly, right? Uh, in 1861, this happens. This is the cross I bear. In 1861, <laughs> the Christian Brothers founded St. Patrick High School. It was originally founded in downtown Chicago, but later moved up north. We can talk about that. And this year, they're celebrating their 159th year. The school and alumni have accomplished many, many achievements. Uh, students at St. Patrick's uh, not only receive a great academic education, the average ACT score is, is over 28, 28.7, hmm. uh, but also learn about giving back to the community around them. And last school year, students performed over 11,000 hours of community service. And in the last three years, 25 students have also completed the RCIA program to become a Catholic, with an additional five students receiving confirmation 
this upcoming spring. And so we're thrilled to have in the audience with us Dr. Joe Schmidt, uh, the president of St. Patrick High School, and Mr. Uh, Michael Mick O'Rourke, St. Patrick High School board chairman and a 1986 St. Pat's alum. Welcome to both of you. Good morning, Joe and Mick. I have to make this comment, Jim. I have known Mick and his wife, Karen, and the whole O'Rourke family. Mick, we met 27 and a half years ago. Correct. Because you moved into St. Mary of the Woods what year with your family? We moved in in 1994, and Greg, you don't remember this, but my wife uh, fondly tells the story that we moved in, closed on the house, and we had an hour to kill before we could get into the house. And we had nothing to do. She was nine months pregnant. She said, let's go register. So we went up to the parish, and you and Father Leo were sitting in the rectory, and you came out, and you said, what are you doing? I said, we just closed on the house. I thought the first thing we should do is register in the parish. And you went in and told Leo, and both of you sat with us for about a half an hour. And I thought, what a great welcoming committee to have Father Leo and Father Greg welcome us into the parish. And that was our first hour in St. Mary of the Woods, and we've been there ever since, and we'll never leave. And you, along with Karen, have been so deeply involved and with your, your beautiful children. And uh, you know, I don't remember that hour together, that half hour. You didn't but, charge, which was amazing. And you didn't ask for a donation. <laughs> give a you, surprise. They give you envelopes as you're walking out yeah. and tapped your hand and said, please use these. And, uh, but but what a great time for us. I got there in 92, got there in 94, and, uh, but so heavily involved. And, of course, with uh, Dr. Joe Schmidt here, who's legendary at uh, St. Patrick High School. Now, how, uh, Jim, you got to hear this. Joe took two and a half hours mm-hmm. to get to the program this morning up from McHenry. Yeah, we you left, left it, your we house left at, at 5 o'clock. 5 a.m. we left. It was mo- a little dicier in McHenry, yes. a little more snow. Uh, once we got to the River Road uh, toll plaza, at least we were down to the pavement. We were moving. So, And yeah. then, which means when, if you've been involved in St. Pat's for 53 years, when I graduated Notre Dame, which was a tremendous rival, in 71, what was your role at St. Patrick's back in the early 70s? So I was a teacher and coach then. As a matter of fact, uh, we Basketball. Com- Basketball. We competed against Tom Less and all oh, the yeah. early 70 guys at Notre Dame. It's been a great rival. And the rival. coach would have been Ralph Hinger. Ralph Hinger is, uh, was a great friend. Coach Hinger. Max Curlin, who was my boss and head coach, great friends with Ralph Hinger. Between oh, yeah. Notre Dame and St. Pat's, it's just such a great rivalry. Tremendous rivalry. And I forgot, Mick, your class of 86. 86. Out of St. Pat's. What parish did you belong to at St. Ferdinand's right across the street. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Now, you had brothers went there, didn't you? All my brothers went there except one. My second brother went here to Quigley North. In oh, 1982, he, he graduated, correct? Okay. And I tell you, because coming out of Notre Dame, as much as it was a, a, a heated rivalry, but I have tremendous respect for the work that's been done at St. Pat's over the years. And I can't believe there's been a presence of St. Pat's High School in Chicago, 1861. I mean, that's... President Abraham Lincoln was our leader. I was going to say it, was, it goes back to Lincoln and the Civil War. Exactly that's right. Amazing. That's amazing. incredible. Uh, this is the 159th year for St. Pat's. So let's take a step way back for a moment and talk a little bit about the history. So go all the way back to 1861. It's the Civil War. President Lincoln is in office. Um, tell us about what St. Pat's... The Bears are still losing. The Bears are still <laughs> losing, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what St. Pat's would have been like in 1861 had you walked through the doors of the school. Well, I could start out at the, located at the Splains and Adams. Located at the Splains Wait, and Adams. Splains and Adams, okay. All right. Yeah, where Father Hurley now runs... Uh, sure, old St. Pat's. St. Francis Xavier Ward yeah. Parish. Mm-hmm. Right. That was our roots, and uh, the brothers... Uh, Taught the Irish immigrants how to how to get a job and how to move on in life. It was uh, 
not till the early 50s that we moved from downtown to Austin and Belmont on, on the west side when they put in the expressways. So that was built as a brand new school at Austin and Belmont, and Belmont. 5900 West Belmont in, in, in the 50s. We've been there since the early 50s. Okay, so, sure. And we've been there for uh, and a real stronghold in that neighborhood, in yeah. that whole community. We're, we're, the, we're the catalyst on the northwest side yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. And I, I've been to uh, St. Pat's many times and always sense that that sense of tradition and history that exists there as the school um, connects back to its initial roots into the charism of the Christian brothers. Joe, tell us a little bit about the Christian brothers and how that charism is present at St. Pat's. So we have two Christian brothers, Brother Conrad, who is our oh, president yeah. emeritus, a great guy. Are these are the LaSallian Christian brothers? or The, the French, whole, the French the Christian French, brothers. Okay, they French, always yeah. say they taught the Tell Irish Brother guys. Conrad that yeah. some Greg's I will, Father. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Brother David Glinsky. He's been and David, on. too. Those are two legendary two great, guys. Two yeah. great guys. Yeah, so they live in one of the homes sure. near the school, which is the directory. But the brothers have meant so much to me over the years because I'm a graduate of St. George High School. Yeah. And I ended up... Uh, teaching at St. Patrick because of my affiliation and my love for the Christian brothers. Now, so, Joe, Brother Conrad and Brother, D- Brother David have been there for how many years? I know, a long time. Oh, my gosh. Like me. I, I've been there 53 years. Nick, were they there when you were there? Yes, both of them. Both of them. Your both class of, them. of 86. 86. That's amazing. Now, maybe a quick question. Mick, you came out of St. Ferdinand's Parish, which was across the street. Was going to St. Pat's just an absolute given in your life? As a it boy. Is, it's funny you say that, Greg. I, I equate it now. People choose high schools like we used to pick co- colleges. I mean, everybody from St. Fernandes went to St. Pat's, and everybody from St. John Bosco went to St. Pat's. It was yeah. just, it was a given. It was, everybody was just following in ruts that were put in the road hundreds of years before. And you wouldn't even question it. There, there were 70 people in my graduating class from St. Fernandes, 35 boys, 30 went to St. Pat's. Yeah. And where, did, and, and where did the girls go, Mick? Notre Dame. Yeah, figured Notre, Notre Dame. Okay, sure. Girls. Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame. yeah for sure. Yeah, and it area. just kept it kept the neighborhood feeling stronger and stronger when everybody just went across the street together or went down Wellington Avenue together. It was just it was how things were then, and just like everything, everything evolves, and the way people pick high schools now is totally different. So, so knowing that you've sent children through St. Pat's, Correct. why did you pick? St. Patrick's for your children. Well, it's funny you say that, Doctor. I did not pick St. Patrick's for my kids. You know, my wife, who Greg knows very well and Joe knows very well, she really was the catalyst for it because she saw her brother went to St. Pat's and she saw the education and the really the tradition that comes with it. And I did not say to my kids to do it. And when Connor left St. Mary of the Woods, he was one of six boys to go and the rest kind of split up. But he, if you asked him if he was sitting in his chair today, he'd say it was never a decision in his mm-hmm. mind because it was always he saw the positive that came out of being a shamrock. And it's funny, I, uh, I'm from a big Irish family, and right now there are seven cousins of my family at St. Pat's. And you got to be kidding. No, no. Hey, well, I mean, when, you know the Irish, we get, yeah, When we, <laughs> we were together at St. Mary of the Woods, the options would have been St. Patrick's, Notre Dame, Lowell Academy. Ignatius. Uh, Ignatius, oh gosh, Ignatius, yeah, right. uh, Regina for the girls. Mm-hmm. And so it, we have tremendous options, but for your boys, it wasn't an option. I'm going, you know. And it, again, to, uh, I, I don't want it to seem like they were brainwashed. It was oh, no, just, no, no. it was what they felt. But then going back to the initial part of the question, doctor, is my wife was totally involved with the decision-making yep. process, and that's what's totally different. You know, you hear stories, and Joe and I, uh, we had an 
reunion the other night, and you hear guys saying that their dad saying to them, you can go to any high school you want as long as it's located at 5900 West Belmont. <laughs> and times were different than when just parents told and kids listened. Now it's a decision-making process, and it's great, the evolution, but those stories are true. We are talking about the value of a Catholic high school education. Uh, Father Greg, as you know, right now our Catholic high schools are uh, – having open houses and shadow days and are getting ready for the placement test in early December and will register uh, shortly after. So this is an important time of year. Now, Jim, if somebody wanted to learn more about what you just said, where can they go? Absolutely. So I would encourage them to go to our website for the Archdiocese, archchicago.org. One more time. archchicago.org. And if you click on schools, it will take you to a map. You just type in your zip code or address, and it will display Catholic elementary and high schools that are around you. You can't go wrong with a Catholic school education. Absolutely. So really oh, encourage yeah. people to consider it. And as I often say, don't let the tuition scare you away. All of our high schools have wonderful scholarships, tuition assistance programs. And as we said earlier in the program, you kind of pay it forward. You might, ca- you might pay a little bit for a Catholic high school up front, but you're going to save a lot in the wonderful scholarships your child will receive to college and universities. Did you know, Father, that over 98% of our Catholic high school grads go on to college? It's amazing. From the 32 Catholic high schools, over 98%. Correct. Go on to uh, Nobody can match that statistic. Nobody can match it. No. Uh -uh. And not only do we offer a great academic education, but we offer an education rooted in the Catholic faith. And so uh, we've been talking with uh, Joe Schmidt, the president of St. Patrick's High School, Mick O'Rourke, uh, board chairman of St. Pat's. And one of the things that struck me when we were doing your intro is that you have students, Catholic high school students, going through RCIA. So students who may not be Catholic or maybe missed kind of some of the sacramental steps, and yet through an education at your school, uh, they're interested in becoming a fully Catholic. Joe, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's an exciting program. And And we're able to uh, do that right at St. Patrick High School. So Father uh, Dominic Clemente, who is the pastor at St. Edward's, is our chaplain at St. Patrick. So we've had a a live... Now, is he he, uh, an alum? He is. He's a a 2008 alum. I've I've got sweaters older than him. (laughs) He he might be one of the youngest pastors. He's great, great pastor at St. Edward's there. Yeah, he would be. doing great things for Father Dominic is a tremendous... He relates beautifully with our students. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've had a number of uh, First Communions this year. We have five confirmations. We had a live baptism in the gym a year ago. It was spectacular. And it's observed. You know, we have 600 young men at St. Pat's. So Father Dominic did the baptism with the entire school body present? In the gym. In the gym. With many of the parents. So Were you there, Mick? I was. It's fascinating. And it, it's just it's it's heartwarming to see that what we what we do at the school, we always talk about education, education, education. It's so important. But when you see the religious aspect of it being in its live and come alive before oh, the, the student body, yeah. I've never it's heard that wonderful. before. It's absolutely wonderful. That's tremendous. Yeah, St. Patrick's is doing such great things. Um, you know, I've, I've, I mentioned I've been in it a few times, and, you know, one of the other things that strikes me is the work you all have done with uh, STEAM, Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Math, and your Incubator Lab, which is really unique. Joe, tell us a little bit about STEAM and Incubator Lab. STEAM, we're into our third year, so we've got 60 students who have uh, been through that program. And and the reality is we're going to be a STEAM-certified school. And so what happens when the students get through the, the program, they get they get a little edge up. They get a little, little uh, mark on their transcript that they've completed a STEAM program at a certified school. And with the purpose of getting more of our STEAM is uh, the science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. 
more of our young men uh, in the engineering fields. We've already had numerous internships and more and more are planned for the coming years. We do dual credit with Lewis University. They do aviation and engineering. They're professors come to St. Pat's. We're also hooked with the Shed Aquarium where we're going to be starting apprenticeships through the Shed. And we have 47 dual credits. So parents can earn, students can earn, and the parents benefit from 47 credits. That's over a year and a half of college. So, Joe, say more about that internship at the Shed Aquarium because I've always loved fish. I've always so loved of birds. So have our kids. So Mr. Jim and, Murphy, uh, who's a friend of ours. That's fascinating. Uh, and he has many Murphy scholars throughout the mm-hmm. archdiocese. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's also a board of directors with uh, Mr. Rourke. But they will do what the Shed Aquarium? Do you have any idea? So it's starting out with some uh, the f- freshmen taking trips to the Shed. Sure. That starts this year. So we're in year one of a four-year program where we will then be working with the Shed. They'll be educating our young men on all the possibilities that are presented. I, I think we would all would agree something like that can plant a seed for someone's future vocation oh, yeah. of a career. Oh, yeah. In biology Correct. or marine biology. Oh, yeah. I've seen this happen and over and over again. Oh, but oh, that's yeah. so much needed. In, in the world we live in, with the environment, you know, I, I'm, I've been a big bird watcher for 55 years, and someone else might love, you know, fish to that degree, but it can change the course of a lifetime. I, I think it's, I've never heard it's of that. It's exciting. Yep, oh, absolutely. Oh, that's tremendous. It, uh, I, quick question, Mick. Your class of 86, you are now the president of the... Board. board, chairman of the board, unpaid, now, unpaid. Father, <laughs> supposing he's going to get me into heaven. His, his we'll board is in heaven. We've convinced him of that. That's right. It's an unpaid position as chairman. What is it about St. Pat's? Here you graduate '86. That has brought you back to this degree to give up this much of your time to be chairman of the board. Well, Greg, it goes back to sitting in the pews at St. Ferdinand's and Mary Sue the Wisdom and or uh, St. Mary of the Woods. If we don't give back. And it's not just giving money. It's giving time and giving talent and treasure. You remember those three oh, yeah. from your homilies? Yes. But if we don't give back Thanks and for you, listening. You, you talk about, you know, what we do at St. Mary of the Woods and, you know, Holy Name and with Altar and Rosary, we, we had to – we give back there. And then if we don't give back to the people that helped us and carry the mission forward, then what are we here for? Yeah. And so, you know, Joe approached me. I use approach in air quotes. There was no asking. It was, you're joining the board. I thought you lost the bet. No, no. My, my <laughs> Believe me, Mrs. O'Rourke was thrilled to hear I was joining another board. And I think when he approached me to be chairman, I was the first parent of a current student to be a chairman. And I think if you asked Joe about that, he thought he would enjoy the perspective of a parent being chairman of the board. Somebody, you know, I hear from parents who are at an equal level tell me about the school and I can share that information with Joe. And I I think it leads us to govern the school in a better manner. So we're not in that Eiffel Tower here. It's great. Let me uh, let me ask you, Mick, a, a controversial question. So here it comes. Oh, Cubs for sure. <laughs> wasn't going to go quite that controversial, but That's uh, for Greg. taking a step back, Jim um, is a, is a tough host or co-host of a program. <laughs> Don't mess with Dr. Rigg. <laughs> he asks the tough questions. Yeah, that's right. So get ready for this one. <laughs> no. Um, so the controversial question is this: You know, St. Pat's obviously is a single-sex school serving all boys. Why mix single sex versus co-ed high school environment for your children? Well, I think I would look back at it and say, again, Mrs. O'Rourke, who Greg knows very well and Joe knows very well, she did a ton of research on it. She didn't look at me as a, an example of why I do it, but she is a firm You're believer. You're not a geek. In, 
No, exactly. But she would be she would be the first Italian, I believe in it, that children tend to flourish more educationally in single sex because those formative years between age 13 and 17 – they can be in a shell, and I think they can come out of it more in a single-sex environment. So that's what we, we believed it was important from an education standpoint. And I would also want to say to that question, Jim, you know, coming from Mary City Wisdom, of course, co-ed grammar school, going to Notre Dame College Prep, like St. Pat's, uh, single-sex, it was wonderful. And yet we had opportunities many times with the girls at uh, sock hops, different events. That was not an issue at all. Mm-hmm. And but there was something about the environment when I was at Notre Dame I really flourished. In fact, my personality even developed further there to be with the guys, you know, with sports, whatever it was, um, cross and anchor, uh, different clubs. And, oh, I, I, I think it's a great idea. Well, you're talking great to idea. somebody that's class of 1986. I think if you brought somebody in from class of 2006 and class of 2016, I think they would share the same words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's important when you talk about a marketing, trying to find out. I always say, don't ask the alums that are 50 years old, ask the alums that are leaving this year what they think of it and ask them five years ago, Joe was at a reunion Saturday night and I think, you know, 300 people in our gym, all 300 would say it was the right thing for them. But again, I I go back to my earlier comment, people pick high schools like we used to pick colleges and it's different and Mm -hmm. everybody has to find what's important for them and what, how will they succeed? Yeah, and other dads and uh, grandpas feel the same way. So of our 600 young men at St. Patrick, 102 are legacy students. Oh, that's amazing. Now say it again, Joe. 102 of our 600 young men at St. Pat's, either their dads or their grandpas went to St. Pat's. So we have a stronghold on a legacy like like That's an amazing figure. People drive from all over greater Chicago to send their kids to St. Pat's because of that Yeah, we've got 130 different elementary schools, uh, 80 zip codes across the city. Now, before we close, Joe, you've been involved at St. Pat's for 53 years. Your energy level is unbelievable. Um, It's all the golfing. uh, So I I have to ask this question. Had the 53 years God has so blessed your life, if you had it over again, you'd do it over again. I I wouldn't change a thing, and it's been providential because there's so many things that happen over our lives that cause change. And as a matter of fact, I'm proudly getting married December 28th. Father Bolo, not at OLPH. I've got a great sweetheart, fiance, and we're going to bring the party back to St. Pat's to celebrate. Well, congratulations Congratulations. on December 28th. Indeed. My God, that's wonderful. That helps keep my energy. (laughs) Well, we... um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention once more that the uh, Catholic High School entrance exam is December the 7th, and information about that exam is on our website, artschicago.org. You can register for that entrance exam starting on November the 22nd. Really encourage you to consider St. Patrick's or any other Catholic high school. And, and before we go to break, Joe, can you share with us the uh, website and phone number of St. Patrick's High School? Yeah, the website is stpatrick.org, and the phone number is 773-282-8844. That number once again, Joe, phone number? 773-282-8844. Dr. Jim Rigg and various guests from our Catholic schools join us on the radio every second Monday of the month. That's at 8 in the morning on 7.50 a.m. You can hear all our programs live or at your convenience by going to radiotv.archchicago.org. That's radiotv.archchicago.org. Stick around now. In a moment, we'll hear about the celebration of giving and how you can help make Christmas brighter for families in need. Back after a short break. Sunday, November 17th is World Day of the Poor. 
Catholic Charities invites you to mark the occasion through prayer and generosity by donating food, clothes, and Christmas gifts for children at Catholic Charities Office at 721 North LaSalle. You may drop them off from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Sunday, November 17th. We will hold a brief prayer service outside at noon in front of our Homeless Jesus statue in solidarity with more than 40 international cities, Buenos Aires, Mexico City, Sydney, and Dublin among them. Also, using our Homeless Jesus statue by sculptor Timothy P. Schmalz as a focal point for World Day of the Poor events. Join tens of thousands of people around the world in sowing tangible seeds of hope with simple acts of giving on the Sunday before Advent begins. See you November 17th at 721 North LaSalle. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago Week in Review, where we bring you highlights of local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ 750 AM. Every year around this time, Catholic Charities ramps up its Celebration of Giving program to provide Christmas gifts to children and families in need. Voice of Charity co-hosts Marie Jochum and Michael Baer welcomed a group of guests into the studio to discuss how it's easier than ever to be part of this wonderful Christmas tradition. I'm very excited about this show today for a lot of reasons, but specifically because my favorite toy store owner is here and she's going to help us solve all those last minute problems. That sounds amazing. I was actually up on top of my house this weekend putting Christmas lights up. I used to be a holiday separatist. I have to celebrate Thanksgiving at Thanksgiving, Christmas at Christmas, but resistance is futile with my wife. And so we celebrate Christmas. Man, as soon as Halloween is done, the Christmas stuff gets up. So we put up the tree, put up the Christmas lights, we're ready to go. Did you you fall off the roof? Uh, No, I did not fall off the roof. Um, I did forget to test the lights, though, before I put them on the clips. So that was a big (laughs) no-no. Always test your lights before you hook them up, people. We learn so much on The Voice of Charity. We do. So, Michael... As I just mentioned, I'm so excited about this conversation we're going to have um, about Christmas. Uh, not about lights, but definitely about toys and about generosity. So the 72nd annual Celebration of Giving is about to get underway. So here with us to share some of the details of this huge project um, are Andrew McKernan, who is the Catholic Charities Manager of Volunteer Relations, along with Catherine Newen, the owner of the Amazing Building Blocks Toy Stores, and Michelle Midzigian, a dedicated member of the Catholic Charities Board of Advisors and longtime volunteer for the Celebration of Giving. And Michelle holds the distinction of being a volunteer in both Cook and Lake Counties, which is huge. Yay. Welcome, Andrew, Catherine, and Michelle. Well, Andrew, why don't you start off by uh, giving us a little bit of the background of the Celebration of Giving? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Celebration of Giving, it's, uh, you know, this is its second, 72nd year, so it's got a long history. Um, but it really started out of our headquarters. Um, our headquarter building on 721 LaSalle used to be a uh, children's orphanage. So way back when, when it was still running, it's uh, a group of parents who had adopted from the orphanage uh, came back together, formed a group. And then they actually just wanted to donate all, all their toys to all those orphans that had not yet been adopted. Um, you know, they saw that Christmas is a big, big part. And, uh, you know, a simple toy to all, all the orphans could go a really long way. So so obviously over 72 years, things change. How has it changed uh, with this program? Yeah. Uh, time? Um, I mean, it, it's really just grown with Catholic Charities. Um, you know, Catholic Charities is huge. Uh, we service over 700,000 people each year. Um, so Celebration of Giving has really just grown with that. Um, each year we do about 25,000 kids and families uh, through the program. So, um, 
it's just reach is, is huge. So is the program just reaching out to individual kids? How's the dynamic with the families and the children? Um, you know, I, I've heard that there's sponsor family options. Like, how does that all work with Celebration of Giving? Yeah, so uh, there's kind of two sections. Uh, the one is just the general toy shower. So any child under the age of 18 uh, enrolled in a Catholic Charities program that, you know, the family cannot afford a gift for them, um, we go out and get them two gifts, two gifts um, for Christmas time. And then the sponsor of family is a little bit different. It's actually where we provide the whole family with Christmas. Um, that's really reserved for, you know, our most in-need clients. So, so a lot of those um, families really just need bed sheets, pots, pans. They might have experienced a fire. Um, you know, they were homeless at some time. So it's a m- little more inclusive, but, you know, it's super important. So maybe it's just me because I have a hard time keeping my desk organized, let alone figure out how to <laughs> logistically manage 25,000 people worth of gifts. Like it sounds like a logistical nightmare to me, but explain how that all works with that many gifts and that many people. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the program itself, it's, it's really interesting. Um, each year we get a warehouse space donated to us um, in Cook and Lake County. Uh, and that's really just like our home base. So all the donated items go to this sorting facility first. Uh, from there, it's, you know, matched with a specific program. It's then transported to the program or the site uh, in ample time to get to the child's um, mother or father first with enough time in between, you know, so it can be under their tree for Christmas. That is the part that I think I love the most about this whole program is the sort of the dignity of giving the gifts to the parents. I think that's just so amazing and so important in their whole family structure. What are those gifts and how do people know what to get and where can they buy them from? Yeah, well, you know, the gifts are <laughs> pretty much anything, you know, yeah. it's uh, with 25,000 kids. It's uh, we need a little bit of everything, but uh, we have put together a couple wish lists. Um, that you can easily access online through, uh, you know, our Catholic Charities webpage, um, links to Amazon, Target, building blocks, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes it really, really easy. You just kind of scroll through, um, pick the gift you'd like to donate, and uh, you know it'll go to a child in need. Do you have a couple examples, like off the top of your head, what kind of gifts are best for different ages? Or Yeah, absolutely. Um, so really, it's, it's the teens is what we usually have the hardest with, which is understandable. Um, but we always ask for, you know, just... Um, you know, sports equipment, arts and crafts is a really, really big one too, because we can use that for a you know multitude of age ranges, um, and then just kind of gift cards for the older ones too. But you know, those those in between kids, it's there. There's so many, you know. And it's hard to know. I, I think it's really hard to know what a teen teenager wants. I, I find that very, very challenging. Um, so how do, how does someone go about it? So if there's a listener out there like, I'm in, Andrew, I want to do this, I want to buy all the toys, how do they do that? Where do they go? Yeah, I would just go to uh, catholiccharities.net. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, everything's on there, the wish list, additional information if, you know, you want to sponsor a family um, or just information if you have questions, you know, mm-hmm. feel free to reach out. We're yeah. here. So you grab those gifts online. Those gifts are just immediately sent right to the warehouse. So you don't have to do anything to drop those off or anything like that, right? Yeah, it's super convenient. All our wish lists, it's, um, you know, whether it's through building blocks or Amazon, it's really you just go to the web page, you purchase it. Um, and then it, it comes to us directly. So you don't need to worry about shipping addresses or anything like that. So for people who don't get something off the wish list, they just have gifts that they want to drop off physically. Are they going to a regional office? Are they coming down to 721 North of South? Where are they going with those? Yeah, we have a bunch of different drop-off sites to make it convenient too. So all of our regional locations, uh, 721 North LaSalle is one. Um, you know, Monday through Friday, they're all open. We also have a December 7th date for the weekend, which is a Saturday to drop off. Um, but again, all that information can be found online. Cool. So I'm a little, 
I want to know a little bit more about the sponsor of family and how does a caseworker decide who on their caseload is the family that's going to need it? And then could you tell us a little more about what some of those family stories are? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, it's uh, I think that's the interesting part about sponsor a family because it really just is up to the caseworker. Uh, you know, the caseworker are most familiar with the clients, their needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, they pick. I think this year we're about 355 families that's we're sponsoring. Um, and, yeah, it really depends. It's uh, with the vast array of different Catholic charities mm-hmm. programming, the issues they could be facing are, you know, there's so many. Yeah. Um but, you know, there's a lot of great ones like a refugee resettlement. Mm-hmm. It's people who have just come to this country. They don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think we sponsor the majority of those families that come over. It, it could be a, a teen that was, you know, pregnant and, and wanted to keep the baby. Mm-hmm. So, um, you yeah. know, they're they're in need of a lot of things for Christmas, too. It's just wide, wide range. Yeah, that's I mean, it's it is really, really amazing. And I love that there's kind of different options for folks. If folks are able to be generous with one toy, two toys, or if they're able to be generous with an entire family's worth of gifts. I think this program seems so easy for so many people to kind of engage with. Yeah, and there's a charitable heart behind all of it, it seems. Even the uh, the warehouse sites, I know that you had me post some stuff on social media on the website to ask organizations if they'd be willing to donate space. So everybody who's involved with this from the warehouse space all the way down is involved in uh, this, this charitable heart at the Christmas season. So it's, it's really cool to watch and be part of. One of the things I'm really excited today to talk with is Catherine Nguyen, who is the owner of the Building Block Stores here in Chicago. And Catherine is one of our lead, very, very important partners that we work with, that we've worked with for a few years. Um, And if you've ever been in her store, they're always, stores, I should say, they're always magical. But Catherine, I'd just like to hear a little bit from you how you went about starting um, this very successful business. Absolutely. Um, First of all, thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here today. Um, Ever since I was really young, at the age of nine, I started my own first business, selling candy. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, out of a Tupperware box, learned a lot about so smart. <laughs> learned a lot about shrinkage from siblings who would help themselves. <laughs> um, Important skills, I'm sure. When I was four- fourteen, I worked in a gift shop helping um, a-, a woman okay. in-, in selling. Wow. Uh, when I was sixteen, my uncle and I had a- an electronics store together. Oh my goodness! When I was in college, I had a weekend retail men's clothing business. So I I always had a flair for retail. I loved serving people and solving their short-term problems. Hey, I have this need, and how how can I help this this person? Um, When I realized that retail was my passion and Mm -hmm. my flair and, and what I was good at, I moved to Chicago from New York okay. 23 years ago and opened a toy store because I grew up without any toys. So now I'm, I get to pick, you know, being around toys all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, play is something that is very important in the lives of all people of all ages. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely very much kind of like food for the brain for children. Uh, They need play in their lives in order to be nurtured and to foster their creativity, their problem-solving skills, and just a lot of lifelong skills that they need. So it's my passion to serve the community with, you know, value-rich, play-rich toys. 
That's amazing. And I love sort of that entrepreneurial spirit that sounds like you were maybe born with from the get-go. You were selling things and trying to engage people. And your store is that kind of place where you walk in and um, all of the staff is so knowledgeable about toys and it's a welcoming place. I, um, I really, really, really encourage folks to visit. Can you tell us a little bit about that um, your first interaction with Catholic Charities and what that was and kind of how that experience together has grown? Well, Catholic Charities reached out to me via email, and then we spoke on the phone, and we met at the stores um, and, and said, hey, you know, we have this celebration of giving, and, you know, one of the components that we would like to um, facilitate is people coming who want to donate toys and want to give to these families just a, a way for them to participate by doing shopping sprees. <laughs> and Christmas came early to me that year <laughs> yep. because, you know, we're a small yeah. business and right. every every bit of business is desirable and not only desirable, but like, you know, please and thank you. Um, so, of course, we, we would do that. Of course, you can come and shop in our stores, but also it very much lines up with you know, one, when I started my business, of course, it was, you know, got to pay the rent. Got You know, oh, wow, we can have like a, an employee now. I don't have to work seven <laughs> days a week. And, you know, so we were, you know, when as soon as I became out of that survival mode of being a small business owner, the first thing that I wanted to add in was giving back to the community mm-hmm. and serving the kids and the families that don't have the privilege and the means to shop in my store. Mm-hmm. So... Catholic Charities reaching out to me very much lines up with our core values as a business Mm -hmm. and why all of my employees are a part of the business is they believe in play, play for all, and play for the community at large. Um, So very much, very much aligned with what we were up to. So we facilitated shopping sprees, uh-huh. and then uh, at the end of each season, we also go on our own shopping spree, and we donate to Catholic Charities as well as a business. This, par- I mean, this partnership has been very, very unique for the Celebration of Giving program, and I think, um, you know, maybe Michelle and Andrew might want to jump in and sort of share what the experience is like for folks um, who come to do the shopping. What is that like? What do they, what do they get out of it? I mean, overall, I think it's mainly a unique experience, you know. Uh, Catherine invites us to the store and all the donors um, to really just, you know, shop for individual people. Mm. Um, Catherine and her staff, like you said, they're so knowledgeable. Um, I know they, they – I understand that they help a lot during that shopping spree just being like, hey, you know what? Maybe if you get two of these instead of this, it would go a little further. Um, but overall, it's a great way to just uh, – donors, you know, corporate corporate sponsors, just how they all kind of tie into the celebration of giving. Last year was one of the first times I participated in a shopping mm-hmm. spree, and it's first of all it's really fun. And the people that are there to to shop and to donate the gifts, they kind of become like children again. They're like, oh, I remember this. I loved this when I was seven, and yeah, they just they really get into it. It's really fun. I just want to add, I love the the, the heart and the thoughtfulness. You know, don't get me wrong; it's okay to just click and just buy (laughs) something and donate we have twenty five thousand. you know we have needs it's not that that toy or that thing won't get put to use and and someone will love it at the other end but i love that you know hey i'm shopping for a seven-year-old oh what do i get a teenager like Mm -hmm. teenagers still play adults play too Mm -hmm. um so i just love that 
you know, people are participating in a very thoughtful and heartful and um, profound, a little bit more, you know, yeah. profound way. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, we have another minute or so here before our next break. Michelle, maybe you can uh, tell us before we go to our next break uh, how long you've been involved with the Celebration of Giving program. I have been involved for 15 years, starting out in Lake County. And then three years ago, I moved downtown and, and got right involved down here as well. And I just moved to Chicago 15 years ago, and a friend, you know, I didn't know many people, and a friend that I met told me about it and brought me to the warehouse up in Lake County. And when you see those thousands and thousands and thousands of bags ready to go to the families, it's an amazing sight. And I was hooked, and I've been doing it ever since. So is that the part that you like best? Like, what do you like best about Celebration of Giving? Just seeing the scope of it or? Seeing the generosity, knowing that all yeah. of those families that might not be as privileged as my own or, or others are going to get to make Christmas for their family. Yeah. And how have you engaged your family with you in Celebration of Giving these past so, several years? So, um, you know, when, when 15 years ago, when my kids were younger, we would sponsor a family and we would go shopping together and I would make that point to them right up front at the beginning of the, the holiday season of how lucky they were and how privileged they were and we were going to help out another family. You know, as the years went by and now I have an empty nest, they're, they're not as engaged with me in the process anymore. But right. So I now I either sponsor a family or I donate a bunch of gift cards or I go on the wish list and do it that way. Like there's all different ways that you can donate. So that's what I kind of like about it. I'm certain that when folks listen to you, they feel inspired to participate. Can you share with us a little bit of how you how we need people to engage with us around Celebration of Giving? What can someone do to help? Well, as it's already been said, we have 25,000 families yeah. to serve in, in Cook and Lake County. And so that's a lot of gifts. Mm -hmm. And so what, we just really need donors. And we need um, – and there's – like I said earlier, there's so many ways, depending on your time, depending on your the amount that you want to give. There's so many different ways to give to Catholic Charities. We still need people to sponsor some families, and mm -hmm. that's a fun thing to do with your family. Or – you know, you can do it with with any group that you're involved with. You you can do it with your business. You can do it with your church group, your book club, your golf foursome. Like it's fun to get together with yeah. with your friends and kind of promote this and say let's let's do this. Let's let's give some gifts to the Christmas program. Um, you, so I would say sponsoring a family. I would say. Uh, one of our biggest needs is for gift cards, and mm -hmm. that is one of the simplest things to do. When you're shopping at Target, Walmart, um, Kohl's, wherever, you know, you, you're doing your Christmas shopping, mm -hmm. pick up some gift cards, yeah. and then, you know, it, it's done. I, you know, um, and then just going online to the different wish lists, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a click. You know, if you're doing a, a lot of your Christmas shopping online, there's go on those wish lists and, and help us out and just – Donate right then and there yeah. online. I do think those wish lists are, are really great. I'm all for going into the actual store to shop, so we yeah. want to promote that <clears throat> as well. But, you know, um, especially the Amazon and Target lists um, and the Building Blocks lists are curated for what people actually want yes. and what we actually need. So I think that's a really wonderful thing about this team that they've said, okay, these are the demographics, these are the ages, and been kind of honing that in so that every single thing we get is going to get put to really good use, Absolutely, which I think is amazing. You mentioned businesses and groups, and I know we've had parishes participate. We've had youth groups participate. Do you remember any sort of story that stands out to you about maybe a corporate sponsor that kind of got more deeply engaged with us or a parish sponsor or a group? I feel like every year when someone is first introduced to this 
celebration of giving and they see what we're doing, they they want to up their generosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we see that every year. Where, and then the next year they come back and they want to do more. But specifically last year was interesting. We had a group from Groupon come uh, and volunteer at the warehouse. And, you know, they were there and they were helping us check bags and they saw kind of what, was, what it was all about. And they saw we have extra things at the warehouse sometimes we need to fill in people's gifts with. So they saw this whole area that we have with different household items that we give to the families and different and clothing and different things. And they said, hey, do you need that kind of thing? And we said, yes, we do. And they said, well, we have samples of all that kind of stuff. And they brought over, they went right away and brought over bags and bags and bags of, of things that we could give to our, our, you know, participants. So that was pretty cool. I love that. You know, I, I heard someone, a volunteer through Celebration of Giving, once say that you're able to be facilitators of generosity. And I think that piece is so beautiful because we all have something that we can give. Catherine actually said this before we started the show, so I'm stealing this from her, but we all want to give. And it's knowing kind of what we have and how we can fit that in that is just so beautiful. So I love that. And I I hope that sparks some thoughts of what do I have and what can I share during this Christmas season? And obviously we're a large organization, so we have lots of donation needs. We have lots of volunteering needs. Um, across the year, but I think it's important for us to mention that at this time of year with Celebration of Giving, um, we really need gifts. We Mm -hmm. need uh, gift cards donated. We need gifts donated. And so if volunteering is how you want to uh, serve others in your community this season, there are different programs that probably have some more volunteering needs, but the Celebration of Giving program, more than anything, really just needs your gifts this year. So um, visit some of the stores, go online, look at the wish lists, um, and and donate as generously as you possibly can this season. Uh, Marie, I know that uh, Andrew's coordinating it now, but you used to be a coordinator for this project, so maybe you can share some thoughts on uh, your experience with Celebration of Giving here real quick. I love Celebration of Giving. I think it's truly, it is that uh, sort of, unique opportunity to see all of this generosity. I mean, you sometimes will be standing in the warehouse and just stuff is coming in and you're thinking, who are all these really, really amazing people out there? Um, and so I think that's the piece that I take with and and also just the idea that we're here to support the dignity of the families we serve um, and we get to do something really cool by giving gifts. I mean, what's more fun than giving a gift? Nothing, I think. I think think that was a rhetorical question. It was, but you know, it's true. It it really is just a beautiful time of year. So unwrap the spirit and check out the celebration of giving by going to catholiccharities.net. That's catholiccharities.net. Stick around. After a break, we'll hear all about religion and scouting. Picture a magnificent evening in a downtown Chicago that's bustling with holiday elegance and Christmas cheer. And now add the fact that you're participating in an event that helps children in need and continues a 30-year tradition of giving. Join hundreds of people who make this their annual giving of friends, family, and work colleagues for an amazing evening of dining, dancing, and it's all for a great cause. Hi, I'm Jerry Castellini, and my wife Judy and I would like to invite you to join us at this year's Spirit of St. Nicholas Ball, hosted by Catholic Charities on Friday, December 6th at the Hilton Chicago. The Spirit of St. Nicholas Ball celebrates the caring illustrated in the life of St. Nicholas, who is known for his generosity and compassion for children. With your help, this year's event can spark the same joy of giving in all of us, 
as we gather to support the hundreds of thousands of children served by Catholic Charities across our region. Seating is limited. Make your reservation today at catholiccharities.net or call 312-948-6797. That's catholiccharities.net or 312-948-6797. You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio, 9.50 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 and 930 AM. I'm Jim Dish with the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office with highlights of local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on 750 AM. Holy Name Cathedral Rector Father Greg Sakowitz and his Planning and Development Assistant Mark Teresi co-hosted a program that featured a couple of guests who know a lot about scouting. Let's take a listen. Our guest on phone is Stan Potempa, scout leader in New Lenox in Manhattan and on the religious board of the Rainbow Council for the Julia Diocese. He is just shy of 50 years, 50 years in scouting, I thought 50 years old, 50 years in scouting, (laughs) and his children and grandkids have a history of attending Catholic schools. Also, guest with us is Brian Hockey Hitman (laughs) Brock who is with the Office of Radio and Television. He works with Michael May, the two of them like lefty and righty. So Brian and uh, our friend Stan here, welcome to the program. Good morning, Stan. How are you? Good morning, Father Greg. Good morning, Mark. Good, Good morning. morning, Brian. Good morning, Stan. How are you, buddy? It's right Good. Now. Happy to be here. Now, wait, now, Brian and Stan, you go back how many years together? Uh, five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've been. I was a, a den leader out of uh, Pac 155 in Manhattan for my oldest son for five years, and I just crossed over last February, and now I'm assistant scoutmaster to Troop 155 in Manhattan. Uh, Stan's grandson is in the group just behind my son, so we've been co-leaders on the leadership board and stuff like that for our local pack. Well, now, Stan, um, according right. to this little uh, thing I said about you, you've been in scouting a little shy of 50 years. Were you a, were, were once uh, a Boy Scout yourself when you were a child? Right. I started out as a Cub Scout at St. Christopher's in Midlothian, oh, Illinois. Sure. Graduated the Boy Scouts in Troop 358, which is still going strong. I earned both of my Catholic religious emblems as a Cub Scout and a Boy Scout, as well as my Eagle Award. And then when my son Daniel was old enough to join scouting, I volunteered to be a leader with Cub Scout Pack 12 at St. Jude in New Lenox. Sam, what was um, your project? What was your Eagle Project. Uh, funny you should ask. Um, just west of St. Christopher's on 147th Street, there was a convent of uh, cloistered nuns, and they needed some pine trees planted around their properties. Our Lady, so of, the, is that Our Lady of the Snows? or I can't remember the name of it. Okay, down the street you. from you, yeah. Yeah, almost into Oak Forest mm-hmm. from uh, uh, St. Christopher's. 
So uh, that was uh, so you yeah, pi- that was you planted project. pine trees around that convent, right? Those trees and that are twenty feet there. twenty feet tall now. Are they still there today? Yeah, yeah a bunch that of wonderful. Them are. Yeah. That is amazing. That was your Eagle Scout mm-hmm. project, and uh, <laughs> and so and so you are now been a Scout leader or Scout master. This has been going on for all these years now, right? And you and you don't tire of it. No, no, because of all the good things that Scouting does for the Scouts, um, all the good values and um, all the fun activities that the Scouts have. Now, maybe for a second, Brian, uh, your son Anthony is in Scouting. Mm-hmm. Were you yourself a scout? Yeah, I, I was myself. I, I stayed in for four years. I got my Earl of Light out of Pac 442 in, in Tinley Park, and then uh, life got a little too chaotic. And um, I didn't. I had decent leaders, but not kind of scouting wasn't at the caliber that I think it is right now. Um, so I kind of lost my way with it. Uh, but fortunately enough, been able to kind of become like the adult, but still a scout kind of mentality and enjoy all the fun things and the amazing parts of scouting, like being part of every service project or the campouts and stuff like that. Uh, so I've kind of re-resurrected my scouting life, and now it's like... Well, let me ask you this, Brian, and that is uh, you were in scouting yourself four years. You stepped out in terms of other things yeah. were going on, which happens for a lot of young guys. They never get as far as uh, Stan did and keep going. Okay, then now you step out of it. You have children. Did you encourage Anthony, or did Anthony yeah. say, Dad, I want yeah. to Yeah, at, at kindergarten, we were already researching, like, how old does he have to be to, to get involved oh, wow. in this, and um, they actually have a kindergarten-level program now that's the Lion level, uh, so you, it's not in every single pack uh, across the board, but it's it's in more now than it was just a couple of years ago, but he started in first grade, so we, like, knew going a year in, and then... Um, it was kind of one of those deals where everyone was in a line. They said, step forward if you want to be a leader in the line. Kind of step back behind me. <laughs> and I, I became uh, became the den leader. And you hooked um, all their all behind you. Yeah. Well, Congratulations, I, I be- Brian. You're the new leader. I became the den leader of a group of people that were almost all first-generation scouts. So um, all my boys that are were in my group. And we crossed 12 over last year into Boy Scouts. That's a really high number to cross over What's from Cub little- Scouts. So they age out in, like, happen? fifth grade from Cub Scouts into the BSA level of scouting. So... Um, um, so, yeah, my group went over, 12 went over uh, the bridge, uh, 11 are still active scouts. Uh, I believe t- nine of them are active in the troop in our town. Uh, and we actually have been recruiting like crazy. Like, it's just, Manhattan is this little tiny farm town just, you know, it's southwest of the city by about 50 miles. But we're like, got this booming scouting population and there's all kinds of enthusiasts. We had boys that were like not really involved for a while and have come back because they heard of all the cool stuff we're doing. That's interesting. Um, now, some years ago when I was at St. Paul of the Cross, they, I did music and they asked me to come to a kumbaya, which was <laughs> which was uh, a scouting retreat. Yeah. I didn't last much in the tent, but I stayed for the <laughs> – is it Catholic scouting? So Stan could speak more to that because there is some Catholic retreats and everything that go along with it. Stan, you probably could speak more to that. Say more about that, Stan. Right. I'm on the Joliet Diocese Catholic Committee on Scouting, and we sponsor a number of events for the uh, scouts. And we have what we call a rosary Catholic scout retreat every summer. It's uh, This coming summer is going to be held on August 14, 2020. And this past summer we were out at uh, St. John the Baptist uh, Parish in uh, Winfield. In okay, in Winfield. No, in Winfield. And um, the Scouts, this is an interesting thing about the Boy Scouts, is as they get older into 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, and then in the high school, they run the activities. 
So this scout retreat is run by a bunch of high school and college kids. That's great. Both boys and girls. And we had dozens and dozens of scouts from all over the area, including the Chicago Archdiocese. And we just had a blast. We do a lot of religious things, a lot of scout activities. We have a candlelight rosary in the evening. And then Hmm. uh, Bishop Conlon from Joliet came out and said Mass for us. And then he hung around. Who was an Eagle uh, Scout himself? Was he really? Bishop yeah. Conlin. Wow. Okay. Three tenets of scouting, duty, God, country. Could you talk to our listeners a little bit who have young boys, young girls about um, the God component of scouting? Well, in every in every single year from the time they come in as tigers, there's a it's a duty to God in action or, or something of a and it's not an elective. That's a requirement that they have to do. Uh, as as a, someone who's a leader. In, in the world we live in now, it, not everyone's Catholic. When I was growing up, like almost everyone I knew was Catholic. So, mm-hmm. oh, and there's some people who grow up with with little to no religion. So I generally push that on to the parents. But that doesn't mean that that component of of faith isn't a, a huge part of like everything we do. I mean, if we go on a camp out, it's very very common at every single meal to hear the Philmont Grace or some sort of, mm-hmm. of, of being thankful for or, or of being involved. And even now in the, the way that things are with the Catholic Church with Laudato Si, um, the Scouts have been living that mentality since since scouting was Absolutely. incepted because oh, we, oh, yeah. we live the leave no trace mentality. So we we leave a campsite better than we found it. We leave a trail better than we found it. So I think that we, we were living Laudato Si long before it was kind of the cool thing to do. But um, yeah, that. It, it's all about taking care of everything around us, and I think God is a huge component Stan, to that. Stan, let me ask you this. Uh, you've been in scouting for over 50 years. How has scouting touched your life? Oh, geez. It, um, it literally changed my life. Um, as, a, as a young kid, I was uh, kind of a shy, geeky nerd, and the fact that I had to do a service project and lead a group of scouts and the adults in that service project brought out uh, leadership capabilities that I didn't know I had. And Brian and I will both agree. We watch these boys yeah, and Brian's, girls. Brian's now. also a nerd. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My nickname at camp is Super Scout. Yeah. <laughs> Not joking. <laughs> Brian, far from it. But we watch Even Michael's smiling on that one. <laughs> you got him to smile. We watch them grow, and they all of a sudden where they're being leaders of five or six boys in a patrol, and then all of a sudden they're leading a group of young scouts and adults on a service project. It's just it takes our breath away that these kids can do just amazing things that they wouldn't do if it weren't for scouting. Yeah, You know, Stan, I have to agree. When I was at uh, Samer of the Woods for 18 years and 13 as pastor, you are so on target. I saw uh, boys, young guys, who are so shy, who are so afraid to be in public person, go into scouting, move through these awards that they were given, and I saw a confidence build within them and a leadership build within them that I, just like you said, without scouting, they would not be the young men who they are today. No question. So I think what you said, Stan, I saw that with these wonderful young guys at Seymour of the Woods. They were maturing from grammar school to high school, move on to Eagle Scout Awards. We're all clapping for them. They took leadership roles in the community because we chartered a scouting group at Seymour of the Woods. 
thanks to Stan and Brian for joining Father Greg and Mark on Catholic Chicago. And a reminder that you can listen to all our local Catholic radio programs live or at your convenience by going to radiotv.archchicago.org. That's radiotv.archchicago.org. Thanks for listening to us every Saturday morning here on Relevant Radio, 950 and 930 a.m. I'm Jim Dish for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Have a great weekend, everyone. Join us every Saturday morning for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.